Chapter 19 Rendezvous at Night When Pete rattled up to the ranch in the wagon, leaving Sandy behind, Hatsy came out of the house wearing a new sombrero. Aunt Claire and Uncle Lem appeared, called hello, and went back to their chores. Pete knew they were busy and he'd have a chance to talk with them later. As he and Hatsy unharnessed the team and turned the horses into the pasture, Pete told of his new discovery about Moore. He was, in fact, a little relieved that his aunt and uncle weren't hearing this part of the story right now. He didn't want to worry them, and he felt sure he and Hatsy could handle whatever might come up. Looks like a certain deputy game warden had better stick to game wardening and not let any more Indians get him off the trail, Hatsy said. What do you think we ought to do? Pete asked. Now I gotta admit there's an advantage to autos, Hatsy said. They have to wear number plates. We'll phone up the government first thing and find out who made the mistake of giving a license to that jeep. After that, we'll think some more. Pete wrote down the number he had memorized from the license plate, and Hatsy went into the house. A minute or two later, Uncle Lem and Aunt Clara came out. Hatsy says you found a dingus for making cornmeal, Aunt Clara told Pete. What's he talking about this time? Pete guessed that Hatsy wanted to be alone to make a phone call. He jumped up into the wagon and fished out one of the Indian corn grinders. Look, he said, the Indians used it like this. He demonstrated the roller in the hollow stone. I get my cornmeal easier from the store, Aunt Clara said flatly. I have enough work without that. Pete was afraid that she might go back into the house. That's not all. Look what else we found. He pulled out some axes, some more corn grinders, and some arrowheads. Seems like you must have run into where there was a massacre, Aunt Clara said, a little more interested. Pete jumped at this and told them Hatsy's story of what probably had happened at the Indian camp. Hatsy sauntered out of the house as Pete was finishing the story. Pete, Hatsy said, seeing I'm deputy game warden, I have to go out to Moore and depute a little. Wanna come along? Sure, Pete said, forgetting that his aunt and uncle might be worried about its going off into some kind of new trouble. I thought you wanted to learn to ride fence, Uncle Lem said. You've got a horse now that looks like he could do it. If you need me, I'll stay, Pete answered. We'll make out a couple more days, all right, Uncle Lem said, smiling. Are you two in your right minds? Aunt Claire protested. You just got out of a big mess. Don't look for any more trouble. I haven't got as old as I am by looking for trouble, Hatsy said. We'll only be gone three, four days, touring around some country Pete's not seen before. Then I'm through with you folks. I'm going to take myself up to the old stamping ground, where the scenery isn't crowded with anything but trout. I suppose you know what you're doing, Aunt Clara said reluctantly. Uncle Len agreed to let Pete store the Indian relics in canned goods cartons on the floor in the grain room of the barn. Pete unloaded the stone things and then Hatsy supervised packing the wagon with a new food supply which Aunt Clara let them have. Where are we going? Pete asked. Time enough to talk things over after we get started. I'm not Aunt Clara, Pete said. You don't have to keep secrets from me. Give. What about the Jeep license? Government fella said it belonged to a man by the name of Moore in Colorado Springs, Hatsy said. All right, Pete said. Here's the way it seems to me. I don't know what you've figured out, but I know this makes good sense. Then he told Hatsy a theory and a plan for action he had been building up. 
First of all, Moore must be selling illegal meat in Colorado Springs. The letter showed that. Second, he must have a helper because he couldn't get the meat and drive it to Colorado Springs himself. That would take too much time. Third, he must have had a regular route that he traveled in a place where his helper picked up the meat. Pete didn't know the valley well, but he knew only one main road led from their part of the valley over the mountains to Colorado Springs. That was the one that Pete had traveled when he came in from Chicago, the Lavetta Pass Road. Either Moore's helper came in from this road to his camp or Moore brought the meat out and met the helper somewhere on the road. Since a jeep could travel almost anywhere, it seemed more likely that Moore brought the meat out of the hills and met his helper. Therefore, all they had to do was find the meeting place and catch the two crooks with the goods. The only thing that bothers me, Pete finished, is this. We ought not to waste time. Moore may have gotten suspicious and cleared out by now, even. That's the only place you're wrong, Hatsy said. As far as Moore's concerned, we are the ones who skipped out. We left our camp, gone off with the horses in the wagon. He thinks we're through bothering him. He may even think he scared us all. He came up here with big plans for a whole summer, and he'll think he got less reason than ever to be worried. Chances are your tracks around the jeep were sifted over with sand before he got back. He won't suspect a thing. We still haven't answered another question either, Pete said. How are we going to locate the place where Moore meets his helper? It would have been hard to trail him without being seen. I kind of figure a couple of tourists with a wagon and an extra horse may pick up an answer to that along the Lavetta Pass Road, Hatsy answered. In fact, if I was Moore, I know just where I'd come out on that road. It would be a place that would give me a good hot meal without me being too conspicuous. There's a certain diner named Acosta's Last Stained over that way. It's the only place in miles where truck drivers can get good food and pie. Old man Custer's used to having regular truck driver customers, and he don't ask unpopular questions either, so Moore would feel safe going there. Pete thought back over his trip into the ranch. He didn't remember seeing a diner, but he knew it must be a good long way off. It turned out that he was right. At the easy pace Hatsy set, they were two days crossing the flat valley floor, and it was dark on the second day before they drew near the main road, which led gently up toward the pass. Instead of traveling the last couple of miles on the highway, which they might have done, Hatsy guided the Appaloosas parallel with it. I'm aiming to pull up into a grove of trees just this side of Custer's place. The less fuss about it, the better, he said. The darkness was broken by the headlights of cars now and then, speeding along the highway, and Pete could see the glow from the diner. We'll turn in here, Hatsy said. The place they were approaching was a thick grove of trees, which Hatsy said Custer had planted, hoping to develop a picnic spot and improve his trade. Nothing much had come of his scheme, and he had let the underbrush grow. A couple of hundred yards beyond stood the diner with a few shade trees behind it and gasoline pumps near the highway in front. We'll have to get water for the horses at the diner, Hatsy said. There hasn't been any here except in Custer's well since Noah climbed out of that ark. Pete helped unhitch the Appaloosas, but did not wait to unsaddle Sandy. Leading all three horses, they picked their way through the trees. Toward the middle of the grove, Hatsy called in a low voice, Hold up a minute and keep quiet. After a pause, he added, There's a truck here. Pete stopped. He had almost bumped into the rear end of a van when he had backed off the road in amongst the trees. Hatsy dropped the Appaloosas' lead ropes and stepped cautiously to the front of the van to see if anyone was in it. No one was there. Suddenly he struck a match close to the rear doors. 
Sandy shied and almost pulled the reins out of Pete's hands. Hey, watch it, Hatsy, Pete said in a low voice. At the same moment, he saw by the matchlight that water was dripping out from under the doors of the van, which were closed but were not padlocked. Let me hold, Sandy, Hatsy said. You climb in the back of this truck and look around. I got a feeling it's our business to see just why it's backed in here all by its lonesome. Pete opened one of the van doors and clambered inside. Striking a match, he said, Nothing in here but some extra crates of lettuce and some big cakes of ice. Seems like a lot of ice for such a small load. Okay, hop down and close her up. Let's see what we can find out behind here, Hatsy said. I bet you can locate jeep tracks. Lighting a match now and then, Pete examined the ground close by. There, sure enough, were the narrow tracks made by a jeep. He followed them a little way, and he could trace a beaten-down road through the underbrush. It headed off at right angles to the main highway. Just like we figured, Hatsy said. Here's the end of Moore's trail. He drives up through these trees so as not to be noticed too much. Unless I'm crazy, the guy who drives the truck is in the diner waiting for Moore. Let's go. As they approached the diner, the lights and the roar of a truck startled Sandy again. Take all the horses around to the back of the diner, Hatsy said to Pete. Sandy won't be bothered so much by the lights at least, if he's back there. We'll go in and boil some water from Custer and have a look around. Waiting in the darkness behind the building, Pete got more and more restless. Hatsy seemed to be taking a long time. The horses needed water and Pete realized all at once that he was hungry. No cars had passed and Sandy had been quiet. Then Sandy gave a nervous shuffle of his feet and snapped his head up attentively. There was nothing on the highway coming from either direction. But as Pete turned to give his horse a reassuring pat, he saw what had been disturbing Sandy. A flicker of moving light shone through the trees. They were approaching the highway from the barren plains to the north. This must be Moore in the jeep. 